Okay. Hello, prolific podcast. It's kind of weird to have this song playing without my bu- my buddy Joey. Who can still dance? Hey guys, great to see you. Thank you for joining me today on the Prolific Podcast. I hope you're having uh, a great day and that you're doing uh, really, really well today. Um, as you can already tell, it's only me. It's just me. Um, my my buddy Joey is actually sitting uh, on the side of the desk right now, so he's he's still here, just not recording. Uh, we wanted to do some uh, episodes where we we're just by ourselves doing our recording, and so here we are. And what I want to talk to you today about is marital communication. Uh, so just so you know, we're actually developing some resources and courses just for the benefit of, of different things, people with addiction and for merit, marital communication, we're creating a course right now. And so I wanted to give you uh, with the limited time that I have today, just a little bit of what is going to be on that course, just for, for you know, just to help you and, and to give you some value today. And um, so, yeah, so that's what I want to do. We uh, want to talk on communication because I personally believe, guys, that marriages, uh, there are a lot of marriages that have two great people who just have a poor skill of communicating. And I really believe that a lot of times it's not even the people in the marriage. It's just they have really, really poor communication. And and communication, in my opinion, is a skill uh, that you can develop. And so a lot of the stuff I'm going to share with you today is stuff that my wife and I have had to bump into uh, over the years that we have been married. Uh, we've only been married for now five to six years. So yeah, so it, we've had to bump our head against the wall. We've had to have poor communication, uh, evaluate it, fix things, have poor communication again, revisit some things, remember that we said we were going to do that thing, and, and just working on this thing day in and day out. And, and a lot of these things... Um, have come from that, from that daily work with my beautiful, beautiful wife. And so obviously, you know, I'm absolutely blessed with Tara and um, it's very easy to communicate with her now, but it, it, it wasn't always, okay? So um, I want to tell you a little bit about that. So Tara and I actually had really, really poor communication. So when Tara and I met in high school, we had um, really, really horrible communication. Like we never talked about important things. Like it was all implied. It was all kind of just... You know, um, I don't even honestly, I don't even know. Um, I don't I don't think through high school we ever had like one good conversation and we kind of dated in high school. And then uh, we went through college and then we got together again. And I remember like our breakthrough moment was the very first time that we had a conversation where like things were cleared up and we had clarity and everything changed after that. Like when we realized that we could have a conversation, uh, get a message across, not be confused, like all those different things, it really, really changed our relationship. And um, now it didn't make it perfect. We had uh, through our dating time and engagement time and through our first year of marriage, man, we fought and we had uh, crazy, crazy just disagreements, and and so it took a lot of work. And but but the but the great news is this: the great news is that uh, our communication today is is just so amazing, and it's so easy to talk to my wife. It's like so incredibly easy. And so I just want to encourage you uh, because a lot of times you might you know see somebody talking about communication, right? So like I'm some random guy on here giving you pointers on how to communicate. And you might think that like people just arrive like with this knowledge of marriage. That's totally not the case in our, in our, um, 
in our experience. And so that's the first thing. The second thing I, I want to tell you is that I believe that uh, this podcast will be especially important for people that have poor communication. And when I say poor communication, I want to explain what I mean by that. So uh, what I think poor communication is, is communication where uh, on one, uh, there's probably many different examples, but I want to give you two primary examples. One, you hit the same topic multiple times. You've talked about this thing and it doesn't move. Like you guys are at the same corners with the same opinions. There is no forward movement in your communication. And I just want to tell you, if nobody has told you this, that that is is a good sign that you're not actually communicating because communication is getting a message across and also listening and having some sort of working out and resolution that moves forward, right? And so if you just continue to have the same conversation and nothing changes, you probably need some help with communication. And then the second example is there are people that actually go south. Do you have the same conversation or you just have conversations in general and then it just goes south. You start screaming, you, you know, drive away or, you know, whatever it might be. Just, you know, you start saying the word divorce or you get the kids involved. Oh, my gosh. That's another one. We probably, I probably won't get a chance to hit on that one during this podcast. But you make other people a part of the discussion that is not a part that shouldn't be a part of their discussion. And so there's there's just a lot there. But um, I just want to encourage you and tell you, like, this is a skill that you can develop. And I'm just going to give you a, a few of the things that um, have been helpful to us. So I'm going to jump right in. The first thing I want to uh, talk to you about is perspective. And I think perspective is the mo- one of the most important things that you can acquire uh, in your marriage and for the benefit of your, com- your communication. Really, perspective is good for every single area of life, for work, for financial freedom, for just your relationship with God. Like, perspective is, is such an incredible uh, you can have so much power from that. But so I want to tell you, first and foremost, uh, perspective wise, what I think is important that you keep in mind when it when it comes to your spouse and when it comes to who they are. Right. So first and foremost, who is your spouse? I think that there are two primary things about your spouse that you need to keep in mind in your perspective. The first is your spouse is a son or a daughter of the king of kings. Your your spouse is a son of, uh, and a daughter or a daughter of uh, the creator that made you as well, the one who holds the world world together, the one who uh, is the judge, the one that's going to be the one that's going to, you know, reward us or judge us. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. And I think that one of the things that I've been blessed with that the Lord's maybe kept in in the forefront of my mind about my marriage is that my wife is his daughter and that he is my father in law, just like he's my father. He's also my father-in-law. And let me tell you, now that I have a daughter, that has a whole new meaning for me because now that I have a daughter, I think the one thing that people could do to really send me over the edge is to mistreat my daughter. And so I just want to tell you, and even if you're a, a, a woman married to, to a, a guy, of course, it's important that you treat your spouse like God is their parent, like you are wanting to honor God. That's very, very important. The second thing that I want to encourage you with is that your spouse is not separate from you. And I think that that's one thing that people get in trouble with whenever they're having discussions and arguments that are maybe not going anywhere. They have conversations as though they are fighting against another party. And the Bible says, actually, that the reason why we want to be kind to our spouses is because they are a part of our body. If you are unkind to your spouse, you're being unkind to yourself. And I know that's a weird concept to understand, but if, if I think that that's very, very important, if we are able to reframe 
how we see discussions and we realize that they're not against our spouse, but they are with our spouse for the purpose of victory and for the purpose of breakthrough, it's going to really, really change everything that we do, everything that we say, how we approach things. And so I think perspective is the start. The the the, the why uh, is the start. That's the most important part. And so I think uh, if you can keep in mind, again, to resume that, that the Lord is your spouse's parent and that you need to honor the Lord in the way that you treat your spouse and that you're going to be liable to God for that. And two, that your spouse is not separate from you, but they are a part of you biblically. They are one body with you. I think that's going to really change things for us. All right. The second is this. I think marriage goals are important. And so I want to tell you a little bit uh, of an anecdote that Tara and I had and, and that led us to one of these steps. And so before Tara and I got married, when we were engaged and dating, we were preparing for that uh, marriage step and we were having conversations with conversations with our pastors. We're having premarital counseling, all those different things, which I, by the way, I recommend if you're not married yet, but we were reading books and just kind of preparing ourselves. And we were surprised. It makes me smile because it was, it's, it was funny. We actually laughed about it at the time. It was crazy how hopeless the information we were receiving from people around us about marriage was. It was so hopeless. Um, the older people, 60-year-olds that were uh, seeing as they were going to get married, oh my goodness, you just wait, you know. People from my culture, you know, I'm Colombian, my culture, oh, marriage is just uh, an insane just step. Like, why would you do that? You know, I had people tell me, uh, maybe you're too young to get married. You think that maybe you need to live a little bit longer. A lot of different things that that if we would have received them and taken them as truth, we would have walked into marriage already losing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We would have walked into marriage already having a really, really poor uh, idea of what marriage could be. And we, we could have failed simply because of our expectation being that failure was the only expectation that we could have. And so by the grace of God at that time, Tara and I had the ability to have discernment, God-given discernment, to be able to realize that what they were telling us at the time was not the truth. I don't know how we knew, but we just knew it. And praise God for that. You know, we can only give him credit for that. And so we had to make a decision. Tara and I had to sit down and determine, like, what was what were we going to set as a goal for our marriage? Were we going to listen to all the hopeless versions of what marriage is from all these people that had been jaded by marriage? Or were we going to have a hope-filled version for ourselves, informed by the Bible, informed by God and how he sees marriage and how he sees just love and growth? And and so Tara and I sat down and we, we made uh, a goal. And I want to encourage you today, if you haven't done this with your spouse, I want to encourage you to do it, if you have the courage to do it. I want to encourage you to make a uh, hopeful and realistic goal, okay? And so this is what ours looked like. We sat down and we said, hey, listen, we know our, our marriage is not going to be perfect because we're neither of us are perfect, but it's going to be awesome. We're going to have an awesome marriage, but it's not going to be perfect. But it's going to be awesome, right? And I can tell you right now that whenever things have gotten hard or discussions have gotten very, 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 maybe have gone south or maybe are not moving anywhere, we always go back to that, uh, goal. We remind, we looked at each other in our eyes and we say, hey, remember remember that thing we said? We said we're going to have an awesome marriage, not a perfect marriage, but an awesome marriage. And so it, that's going to give you two things. The first, it's, it's going to give you hope for the future. All right. So it's going to give you something to to shoot for and to strive for, which is to be awesome people so that you can have an awesome marriage, right? And to listen to God and yield to the Lord. 
But the second thing it's going to do is whenever marriage gets difficult, that realistic part of your goal is is going to keep you still hopeful, you know, because I know a lot of people my age and younger who, ha- who get into marriage and they lose hope because they begin to have conversations uh, that they thought they would never have. They begin to have discussions or arguments or whatever, and they come into marriage with an unrealistic expectation of what marriage is going to be. And so it's okay for marriage to be awesome and imperfect. You know what I'm saying? And you can see, I want to tell you, you can steal that from us. Like if you, if you want to use it and, and say, Hey, we're going to have an awesome marriage. That's not going to be perfect. Do it. Like you need that. Why? Right. So we have perspective. We have our why and our goal that we can go back to. And so now I want to give you some practical tools, right? Because, um, as I said before, I believe marriage, uh, or conversations and uh, communication in marriage is a skill. And so I want to give you some practical tools that we've determined. And again, I want to remind you, these tools we have ran into and have to work very hard to get. We didn't arrive at marriage with this. So please don't feel hopeless because you don't have this already or all that stuff. We just have had to work at this and I've just written them down, right? Because we're putting this course together. So the first is this. We determined in our marriage we were not going to scream, right? So um, this for some of you, this might sound like a complete impossibility, in your marriage. You might be in the kind of marriage where you're like, well, how else am I supposed to get my point across if I don't scream? Uh, how else am I supposed to be heard if I don't scream, right? That's a bad sign. That's a, that's a sign that you need to do some work, that you guys need to do some work. And that's okay. Again, imperfect. Remember? Awesome, but imperfect. So um, no screaming is something Tara and I also had opportunities where we could raise our voice, where we could talk to each other in a way that was disrespectful or dishonoring. And we had to make a determination to not scream and to have the self-control to wait. And so why, why do I say, say self-control? I believe that what screaming conveys is this. You might think in your screaming that you're actually winning the argument when you scream. I want to tell you right now, if you win and your spouse doesn't win, neither of you won the argument. All right? The key is to go together. And so... What screaming actually does is it drops your spouse off. You drive away without them when you scream and you just stay the conversation over, right? And that might be part of your personality. Part of your personality might be that you just completely roll over your spouse and then you just feel like you're like you're having good communication or you just don't have the patience for it. I want to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to, ask, to give you the patience so that you don't have to enter into screaming in order to win an argument. And so I'll tell you this too. What screaming really says, or screaming really means, is that you lack the self-control and patience to see this conversation through all the way where two people are heard and two people can find resolution together. That's what screaming says. And so I want to encourage you and tell you, don't scream. You're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish if you scream. A way that you might remind each other of that rule. Let's say that today you agree and you say, we are going to keep that rule. We're not going to scream. And I say that tomorrow you're having a conversation and somebody starts to raise their voice. You might say something like this. Hey, listen, I love you and I want to have this conversation, but I don't think that the tone of our voice right now is going to allow us to get to a point where we both win. If you do you, first of all, do you think that you need some time to process the emotions about this conversation so that when we come together and communicate, instead of unloading on each other, we're actually getting somewhere together? Yes or no? If they say yes, okay, go take some time. If they say no, I don't need any time. Okay, so do you think that we can continue to move in this conversation without screaming at each other so that we can have forward motion in our communication? Is that okay? 
I think too, like communicating with, to each other with maturity and just confidence and meekness, it just does a lot for communication in marriage. And so um, I want to encourage you to not scream. The second thing I want to encourage you to not do is walk away. So I grew up in a, in a um, home where rejection was conveyed with walking away, with absence, right? So I don't, I'm not getting my way. I am going to remove myself and in my absence, when you don't have me, I'm going to convey my feelings with that action. I'm going to get my attention that I want and I'm, and I'm going to reject you so that you don't, so that I can tell, let you know, essentially I'm upset. Okay. Because I don't have maybe the communication skills to do it, or I don't have the patience to do it. I'm just going to walk away. And so I just want to tell you this, walking away is, um, walking away is working against the trust quotient of your relationship. And what do I mean by that? I think what, what good marriages have when two spouses come together, what two marriages have, good marriages have, is they have two spouses that continually reinforce to the other person that they are not going anywhere, that they are a trustworthy partner that is not going anywhere, that is not going to be absent. You understand? And this is one of the reasons why I really, really resent when I hear a, a spouse say, well, you know, then... because." this and that, then I might leave, like, or they threaten with, with reject, rejecting through absence. Um, that's not working for your marriage. That's not, if you can't accomplish what you want to accomplish in your marriage by communicating, um, then go get help before you start threatening to leave, right? And so I'm going to tell you the complete opposite of something that's happened in our mar- in my relationship with my wife, that um, that by the grace of God, this we experienced this, and I, I looked at it, ba- uh, looking back, and I was like, man, God is so good to have given us the wisdom to do that. I remember when Tara and I were dating and engaged, we were when we were going to approach a an, an difficult conversation, I remember one time I said to Tara, hey, listen, we're about to have a really hard conversation and we might not see eye to eye. We're, we might disagree in this conversation, but I want you to know this. Look at me in my eyes. I am not going anywhere. I don't want to marry anybody else. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not, I don't have options. I'm right here. I'm not moving. I just want to have this conversation with you. So I just want you to know I'm here. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. And I have found in my experience as a husband that reinforcing your presence in the in in the life of the other person is extremely important. And so when you reject through absence, you're actually working against that. When you walk away, when you drive away, you're telling the other person, if things get hard enough, I'm just going to go. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to work in your benefit, in your marriage. So I want to encourage you to not leave. Now, I want to make a point here, and this is important, and I'm going to point at myself as I say this, okay? I'm talking to somebody over there, but I'm going to talk to myself as well. There are some of you who have no problem having your thoughts ready to go for a conversation that might be difficult or easy or whatever with your spouse. You don't have a problem. You're ready. If something happens right then, you're ready to have that conversation, where there are a lot of spouses that need time to process. They need to be ready for a conversation. They need to internally process, internally categorize their thoughts and get ready for a conversation so that it is profitable, all right? Again, I'm going to point at myself. You need to stop rushing your spouse if they're not ready to have that conversation just yet. That's very, very important. You need to respect your spouse's ability to equip themselves for the conversation to be profitable. Understood? Now, I will also say it's important as a spouse that you don't just keep delaying conversations, okay? So I'm talking to the other spouse, the spouse that likes to process. 
you can't just keep processing forever. That's not going to work. You understand? Because then what you're conveying is that this is what you're conveying. If you process forever and you don't address the conversation, you are saying to your spouse, I don't care about you enough to have the courage to face my feelings and face this uncomfortable conversation. I don't care about you enough, so I'm going to keep my comfort instead. That's what you're saying. And so I want to encourage you to not roll over the other person and try to have the conversation right away, but also not delay it forever, okay? And so that's not an example of absence that or walking away in the midst of a conversation. That's just, you know, uh, having wisdom. And what that might look like in a conversation, it might be, Hey, listen, if you're the processor, hey, listen, I want to have this conversation. And how about, how about, this is good. Maybe you set a deadline. You said, how about we talk about this tomorrow at this time? Let me just process my thoughts. Now the other person knows that you're ready to have the conversation and all they need is to process their thoughts and you're not living them in limbo, um, which that's a whole nother conversation as well. All right. So that's very important. Walking away um, is, is a, a big rule for us. We don't do that. The other one is no uh, dismissive body language. Man, I cannot tell you how much la- body language com- conveys to your spouse about the way you feel about what they're saying, one, and a- what you feel about them, two. Y- we are so unaware of our body language, and you might be saying all the, all the right things with your mouth and with your face and with your body language completely erasing it, what you're saying that is good, okay? Uh, examples of dismissive body language are eye-rolling, okay? Your spouse says something and you go, right? Um, Another one is, I used to do this one. Um, Your spouse is talking and they say a point, maybe they're talking about their feelings, something they feel that you don't agree with and you go, (laughs) you laugh, right? That is, that is essentially, and I'll tell you what, that you don't want to do that. I tell you what, you don't want to do that to your spouse. When you use dismissive body language, you are telling your spouse that what they're, they're saying is not important, to you, one, and two, you are saying that you think they're a phony, that they that they are that they're they're dishonest, uh, right? Like the, what they are saying has no grounds of of logic, and that's not good for a few different reasons. But one primary reason why that's not good is one, you're gonna shut your spouse out, and they're not gonna want to talk to you anymore. But two, or so that's a one, shut them out. Two. You're going to take the conversation into fighting, not conversing and trying to get somewhere. And three, you are going to rob your own influence whenever you are going to want to convey something that maybe the other person doesn't agree with. You're going to rob your own influence and your own the, the trust that you have with them for when you say something. And so, so if you eye roll, then you're going to set them up to do the same thing if they don't have enough self-control. And, uh, and now your communication is going to go down and just worse and worse and worse. And so it's just so important that you have the self-control to not use dismissive body language. Don't do it. It's not going to be good for your point or for their point. All right. Um, The next one is this. Cynicism is a big one. And and, and this one we're going to touch on more in the course, but being cynic in your, in your conversation with your spouse is very dangerous because when you're cynic, um, you're essentially telling your spouse that you don't trust them. And you're, and you're essentially telling them that, um, that nobody should, nobody should trust them. And, and th- that's when you arrive at really, really dangerous, a really dangerous place in your relationship. When you continue to convey a lack of trust for your spouse, I believe, and we'll talk about this more on the course, but I believe that trust is the foundation for relationships and for marriages. You on a daily basis with your spouse 
are making deposits into that trust account or you're making withdrawals, right? Uh, you, you tell your spouse you're going to get home at a certain time and you don't, you're withdrawing. You um, tell your spouse you're going to pick up the kids at a certain time and you do, you deposit, right? And it's that trust you continue to develop and you don't want to rob that account because it's a joint account. That's not a separate account. That, that trust account is a joint account. Don't rob it with cynicism. All right. What being cynic might be like, again, going, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like once you get there, you're in bad shape. You know, this is what you might say. If you think that what they're saying is not, is not true or maybe they don't mean it. Right. This is an example where you might say, Hey, listen, I know what's coming out of your mouth and uh, I'm not going to say you're, you don't mean that or that you're wrong because I don't want to assume that, but I want to tell you that from my side, it doesn't sound like something that I can receive because of this and this and that. And so can you help me with those? Like, these are the things that are keeping me from from receiving that as truth. Um, can you help me with those? You know what I'm saying? Can you help me balance those accounts? Um, so that's just an example of how you might do that. Um, you might have a better version of how to do that as well. But I encourage you to not be, to not have cynicism in your marriage. All right. And then the last one, um, and this is this is uh, it, it might seem like out of left field, and I just put it on on these rules because I just think it's important. I think it's important that you remember that your communication, the purpose of your communication, is not to um, get the thorn out of you. It's not for the purpose of emotional dumping and just getting that thing out of you that you really want to just just tell the other person. Trust me, I've been there, right? But the purpose of communication is to uh, get somewhere. You want to get somewhere together. And so um, I just want to encourage you today. Like whenever you talk to your spouse, it's super, super important that you are seeing it as a goal to get somewhere together. Where might that somewhere be? Maybe that somewhere is an awesome marriage that is imperfect, but you're trying to get there together. And why are you doing that? Because your spouse is a part of you and because they are... A, a daughter or a son of the king and you are wanting to honor the Lord. And so it's just super important that you that, that we uh, have some rules that we go back to. So the, the way that's going to be called in my, in, on the course is rules of engagement. How do you have good communication with rules that you said that you always come back to? And uh, we'll talk more about how to remind your spouse of those rules that you have set. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, biblical standards of trust and how to build trust in your marriage. We're going to talk about the language that you want to use. I'm going to tell you about some sentences and phrases and, and a way to say certain things to instill trust and to get somewhere with your spouse. Sometimes I know that you might have the right thing you want to say, but it doesn't come out the right way. I want to help you with that. Um, and I want to help you how to facilitate your communication in your marriage so you have great communication. And so, um, again, I'm just another guy. We've been married for six years, have ran into walls so that we can get some of these things, but we just want to give them out because we have a great passion for marriage, and we want to encourage people that are younger than us, people that are older than us, um, of the beauty that marriage is. And so um, I just hope this was helpful to somebody. I hope that uh, this found you well. I hope that this is something that you will go and apply and that will make your marriage better and that will make your kids better and your generations better. And I just want to encourage you to continue to do the work that it takes to become better in marriage. We work and do a, a continued education for so many things, for our careers, for, you know, our kids go to school, excuse me. But when it comes to our relationships, sometimes we do the least amount of work. So continue to do the work um, and continue to be prolific. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me today. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>